apartment complex introduced me and they were friends. And he was a mechanic. Blah, blah, blah. And that was like 2010 or something? Yeah, probably something about like that, that. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's cool. Well, Tony's been on the show a couple of times. And I'm going to try to go do your bio, Tony, but I know I'm going to leave something out. I know you're the one of the founders of Speed Group. Yes. And that's with James Hinchcliffe and, and some other David folks. David Martinez. David yes. Martinez, that's right. I know David. I should have remembered that. Mm-hmm. And Tony is the chief growth officer with Valkyrie Intelligence. That is really cool. Mm. And we're going to talk a lot about that because every industry on the planet is talking about AI and how data is generated these days. And you guys have been doing it in motorsport. That's right. So we're going to talk all about that. And hats, and hats off to your boy Hinch. Both good on the TV and the radio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I heard you got to hang out with him a little bit I ago. did. I did. You know, Chris Medlin and I do the Wednesday show, the Wheel to Wheel Formula One show on national radio. And Hinch joined us for the final show of the season. And I've got Graced a clip. his presence. Yeah. He was, he was, he, is he blew good. me away with. I mean, he's a fantastic broadcaster. Yeah, and, now and, he's doing the F1 stuff. And, and his the knowledge, stuff, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and his knowledge of Formula One was just phenomenal. My, yeah, I, I love it when a driver has literally could, you know, still has the wherewithal to go world-class racing. He could jump in and do an Indy 500 at any time, and okay. he could do a full season of Indy any time. Um, but he's on the other side of the fence more so now than he was. And uh, so that makes it just, I mean, you listen intently to what he's got to say because it's like well you know these guys you've raced against these guys so your opinion matters you uh and also tony is um, i don't remember what all you did but you basically were the driving force behind gentleman driver the movie yes. on netflix you were the exec yeah. producer what else i mean what you you did everything right um but, well it's a small team so we all had many hats <laughs> but yeah executive producer we did a little bit of uh, editing directing mostly just making sure it it happened yeah. and that people watched it and that it wasn't too bad and turned out to be pretty good. No, so we it was a, it was a it. great yeah. movie. And if you haven't seen it, uh, we'll put out the link. I think Casey will produce will probably throw it up on the screen on YouTube. Um, but it's a fantastic movie about the gentleman driver. Yeah. About and what that means. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and the behind the scenes and all that. It was really, really well done. I, I think uh, j- you j- yeah, underestimate it. it. For those who don't know, gentleman drivers are basically businessmen. Uh, they are not professional motor racing drivers. That's not how they earn their money. But they've earned in their own business uh, a chance to go racing. And they generally employ uh, a professional racing driver to teach them the skills and then take them on and become teammates, which, which really it's, it's one of the – I'm glad you told the story because it, I think it's one of these unicorn things within motorsport that is so rare. It's not like you could ever go on a tennis court, you know, with – Rafa Nadal and say, "Hey, you know what? I'll be your I'll be your doubles partner." It would it just wouldn't, you know. Yeah, or playing the NFL. Yeah, if or you the teach NBA, me how it, what yeah, you do, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't swap in for Dak Prescott, you know, and do a three throws, you know. <laughs> well, what else did I leave out, Tony? I know you got some other projects in the works right now, but what else have you have you done? Uh, and- no, I mean, yeah, obviously, like I grew up in motorsports and uh, and made. Uh, a good career out of it uh, so we you know got a chance to do all kinds of stuff manage a bunch of successful drivers and work in all kinds of series uh not unlike jonathan here and uh traveled the world with it and then eventually made the movie which was which is awesome it was an unexpected uh side turn project your... that turned into a huge <laughs> uh, a huge accomplishment so obviously very proud of that and and then i got to sort of switch over to the um, to the corporate side, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur and had this amazing opportunity to come and grow um, the growth team at Valkyrie, which is a very successful AI company. But 
with always the goal of like, is there a way to join this awesome tech company and, and use motorsports to grow it both on the tech side and on the business side, on the marketing side. So now I get to kind of be a sponsor on one side, but I still get involved in the racing side. So I'm kind of living my best life right now, you know, trying to, um, to, to still be involved in racing, but now in a different way where I can contribute from a different side. Um, and then back to the movie stuff, I'm also working on a sort of a, a sequel to The Gentleman Driver or um, more of like a spinoff uh, where it would be a, a docu-series uh, documenting amateur drivers and the, the whole amateur concept in motorsports, just like we were talking about which is something that you don't really get to see in other sports. So, so how does it vary from what I just described then? Because it, it is a similar feel. Yeah, I would say the movie was very focused on very successful businessmen right. that race cars, you know, made a bunch of money and then, and then were very successful CEOs and entrepreneurs. And then they applied that knowledge into how to build their own team and, you know, and what it takes to go from, from running a multi-billion dollar uh, company to then racing against professionals and, and being that. So so th th that was more of a narrow focus. Obviously, we're trying to do a docuseries now, which uh, has to have a much more broader appeal, you know, because you're you're talking to bigger networks. It's not just one, uh, you know, the movie was a feature-length documentary, so it was just yeah, one-off. Yeah. This will be multi-episodes. So we're just trying to go a little broader with the audience. It's not just a bunch of, uh, it's not a, just about wealthy uh, guys that can race. It's a little more about, well, in sports cars, Amateurs can be it, technically within a few, you know, minor details here and there. Anybody can race in sports cars, right? You can be man or woman. Mm -hmm. You can be any race, any age, any background, um, any level of experience, you know, within limits, right? Th there is a place for you in sports cars. So we're trying to explore a broader story there where, yes, we, we will probably have like very successful entrepreneurs in the show as well. But we might have also... A young kid, right? Mm -hmm. That is that that wants to make turn professional, but it's not professional yet. Or we might have there's somebody we're talking to. Uh, she's a grandma and she races cars. <laughs> you know, so that's a cool awesome. story, right? <laughs> uh, so we're just trying to go a little broader and and, and find those stories because um, it's not my grandma. No, never mind. Go ahead. Uh, I, I can't say. <laughs> I know. You know, I'm, it's a it's a secret. So. Um, <laughs> well, I partnered with uh, a very successful Hollywood director, Brad Payton, who's directed a. Very big movies like Rampage, uh, San Andreas. Okay. He just finished filming um, Atlas, which is a big movie with Jennifer Lopez, a Netflix movie. So he knows how to tell a story that goes to the masses and that you know any anybody can be a, a part of. So he's helping me kind of craft, the, you know, think outside the box and sort of look from the outside in, as opposed to the movie. The Gentleman Drives a little more like it was told. I mean, I always wanted everybody to watch it, but it was really more of a yeah, a you've legacy, been involved in that. A yeah. legacy piece of content that I wanted to do mm -hmm. for the world, the, the racing world. This is more like if yeah. any, if our grandma watched it, like, you know, this show, could they be a part of it? Not unlike, obviously, what Drive to Survive has done, right? Um, yeah. Which has really been able to show the world what how amazing the Formula One world is. And it's obviously been fantastic for for, <clears throat> for fans and for and for the viewership of F1. So we're trying to kind of do that for sports cars, but also but while being the anti-drive survive, we don't, you know, we don't want to compete against them. It's complete opposite. There's no glamour here. There's no superstars. There's no fame. There's no... Yeah, it's the money. antithesis, it's really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. in a way, so that's yeah. that's kind of what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and also, you know, just as a footnote, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. If you get on Prime or Netflix or any of the platforms that you go to, Hulu, you name it, and really dig deep and put motor racing in and put speed or whatever it might be, you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, the gentleman driver, Upper T, there's some great stuff out there that, that yeah. if you're new to motor racing or you're just learning Formula One or you're just getting into sports cars, whatever it might be, there's a lot out there that really has been well done. There's a great one on Paul Newman. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, there's you know, a bunch of them, career. right? Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, we're going to talk about the IndyCar series. What is it? hundred days yes. to Indy. We're going to talk about that because Tony, I know you want to talk about that. We've got some formula one stories. We're going to talk about some stories about circuit of the Americas, but I want to, I want to start by talking about artificial intelligence and what you guys have been doing. I've got, I see you got your United Auto Sports shirt on and with the Valkyrie logo, Tell us the relationship, Valkyrie, to United Auto Sport, and then let's talk about what you're doing and what you're going to do with them. Yeah, of course. So, Valkyrie, I'm very happy to say we're entering our second year as the official AI partner for United Auto Sports. Um, for those, I'm sure, sports car fans know United really well. You know, it's a very, probably one of the biggest, most successful sports car teams in the world, owned by Richard Dean and Zach Brown. Um, I've had the pleasure of being involved with them in different ways. For many years, whether I worked with them directly or I had drivers that I used to manage uh, drive for them. And now, you know, like sort of my two worlds collided and we were able to create this partnership. And what we're doing is not unlike what you see with bigger F1 teams, you know, like uh, Oracle with Red Bull or Palantir with Ferrari, you know, these big, big tech companies creating technologies for these race teams that can help them in competition in some shape or form, right? So so we we spent all of 2022 with United um, sort of experimenting and building different things that we think together could could create an edge for the team. Basically, at the end of the day, you know, race teams are here to win races, right? So what can we do differently than the other teams to, to help them win races? So we've created, um, we can get more into detail out of it, but we've done a lot of work to really create a database of sports car races and then apply, uh, which by the way, it's, it's very hard to find like a proper database of races with results and with, with a way of really being able to analyze what has happened in these races. And once you can do that, then you can do fancy machine learning and AI stuff to really start. At the end of the day, you want to find patterns and then you want to use those patterns to be able to predict Things, how much right? how much data is in that database? I mean, like sector times. I mean, how? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So we started uh, initially. What we're doing, we're, we're sort of like building a foundation, you know, uh, baby steps to 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 really create a, a proper tool. So what we've started with is purely timing and scoring data that we that's publicly available, mm -hmm. publicly available, right? From so um, if anybody's interested, it, this is you can just Google Alcamel, IMSA Alcamel WEC, and you'll find. That data. Um, basically, it's, it's just all the sessions, and, and within that data is sector times, driver yeah. name, uh, driver rank. Actually, no, driver name, sector times, lap times. Um, that's about it, which is actually not a lot. So yeah. we had to write algorithms that went in and then deduced from that data: is there a yellow flag? Is it raining? Is is the pace picking up or down? Um, who are the drivers? What are the driver rankings of uh, that are yeah. there? When are the stints? All this stuff. You'll be surprised. It, it's actually quite minimal the data that you that you can get. So we had to sort of write a 
global and generic algorithms that we could take all this. And we spent a lot of time this year just getting this data in the format that then we can go and apply machine learning models on it and then start doing like the really fancy stuff where you're like, you know, at the end of the day, like the the, the North Star we want to get to is kind of like some of the Formula One teams where you're doing simulations to to predict, well, if I do this right now, what are the, all the different scenarios that could happen with it? You know, if I pit now or if I don't pit now or if I put this driver in, what would happen? And then right. what's more like, what are the other teams more, more most likely to do? And can we tell if they're sandbagging or not? And can we understand what breeds yellows, for example? You know, is there, are there certain situations within track that will breed yellows? And more importantly, can we... Uh, another cool thing that, we're, that, we, that we've realized is you can start really analyzing driver performance regardless of the conditions that they're in, whether it's track conditions or even, uh, you know, we have some cool things that can tell me, well, this guy in the LMP2 car drove better than this guy in the GT Pro car. Well, those cars are going at completely mm. different yeah. speeds. And, Apples to oranges. But that's backed it in. Exactly. We're, we're, yeah. we're starting to normalize this. And then another <clears throat> super cool thing is we're really quantifying traffic which you don't I, really get to see in sports cars too much, sure. even on and TV, right? But a lot of that is is interpreted interpolated or, you know, because you don't have that data like you're talking about. You see the slowdowns. Is it rain or is it a yellow flag and that kind of stuff? Before you answer, we got to get in a sneak in a quick break, and we'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Sunday Night with Speed City. Back after these messages. All right, we're still live on YouTube. Yeah, yeah uh, while we're chatting, um. So is this a bespoke thing where you gather that material and then sell it to a team manager or a would-be uh, driver? Or uh, Basically, yes. Uh -huh. uh, at the moment, what we're doing is we have an exclusive relationship with United, so everything we're building is yeah. for them only. Um, but obviously, it's a tool that um, could be used for others, but we won't, obviously, because we, you know, we love United and that's who we're with. Now, th th there are some things that we might release to the public here soon that is like a, let's say like the, the the free version of it you know yeah, that doesn't yeah. have the fancy stuff you got me excited um, about that that's so that's cool. cool and you know it's more like just a you know ways to analyze uh, lap time averages after a race and your traffic um uh profile let's say you know so i can tell you right now like oh at daytona philippe albuquerque in his 137th lap as five GTD cars in sector one. I can tell you the names of the drive, which sounds simple, but it's actually surprisingly complicated to get that out of the data, and and you you don't see it, right? Like if you watch an IMSA race, you, you don't you don't see that. No. Uh, so, yeah. Is that respect? All right, yeah. here we go. Interesting. <clears throat> Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, we're talking with Tony Calderon in studio. We're going to talk some Formula One stories here in a few minutes. But, Tony, imagine, uh, what's her name with Red Bull? Hannah Sch uh, Schmitz. Imagine her trying to do her job without data huh. these days. Yeah. I mean, you, you just can't. And now what you're trying to do is bring that power that they have in Formula One down to the masses, let's say, down to IMSA exactly. and everything else, essentially, right? Yeah, But, exactly. but, but let's, let's finish the... Uh, the question that where were we? We were talking about um, the the data and um, what you guys are doing for uh, United. But yeah, and I would say we, we were, we're, we're 
basically we're creating the foundation of being able to quantify traffic, uh, understand when, uh, you know, look at historical data, look at a race 10 years from now, uh, sorry, uh, 10 years ago, and really understand everything that happened there. When were the yellows? You'd be surprised if, if you download a race right now or the, the data from a race from 2012, it's, you won't know if there were full course yellows, you won't know if there were safety cars, which sounds simple, but it just, for whatever reason, the way races get recorded, mm -hmm. they're just not there. So we had to create algorithms that that, that um, understand what had happened. And also, you know, technically, if it was only just Weck or just IMSA, technically, you know, somebody in the team could go and watch the videos and figure it out, but yeah. that's, that's not scalable, right? Because what we're trying to build is something that eventually will work for any race series in the world anywhere, right? Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing. And, and at the end of the day, we want to understand what is it effects on traffic as far as driver performance and as far as car performance, um, how do the different driver lineups, how do they, those combinations, you know, in, in at a macro level, how do those work across the season, for example, right? Um, really understand the, how to understand the, I don't want to say talent, but the performance of drivers across different classes, across different series, across different championships. Um, we're actually doing a a South by Southwest panel in March, which is called Moneyball in Motorsports, which is super cool. You know, we're kind of playing that yeah. base, baseball analogy. Is like we there are ways. Um, there, racing has more data than any other sport, yet you see the least out of it. When you watch a, yeah. a football game. A baseball game, you know, soccer, you see we're all right now. There's so much, so many stats and all that stuff. And there's very little data compared to racing. Racing is literally just, it's a data-driven sport. Yet we've done, in my opinion, a poor job of sort of taking that and you really utilizing it for the fans and for the teams themselves. Unless you are a, you know, obviously a Formula One team that has hundreds <laughs> of millions of dollars to hire massive data science teams, right? Yeah. So, so that's what we're trying to do, sort of like bridge that gap. You know, Tony, when I think of AI, I think of I've, I've talked to some people in the business world about it and how you can find things that you'd never think of in the data. And you can you can look at all the data, whether it's I mean, like social media or all the data everywhere and come up with this little nugget and go, you know, there's a secret here that no one knows and that. It is so much data that humans can't look through all that, but that that the computers can is that is that sound is that a pretty decent explanation? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, at Valkyrie, obviously, we're, we're racing is what we do for because it's our passion and it's a great way to you know to be able to talk about what we do uh, and also uh, it's sexy. It's sexy, <laughs> and you know, it helps us with marketing and business development. But, but at the end of the day, we are. What we usually do is in all kinds of industries and government, you know, we, yeah, we'll we'll do things like predict how many nine one one calls there will be in a certain market a, a week from today to help ambulance companies yeah. staff, yeah. Yeah. right, or help banks understand what questions they should be asking when they're doing due diligence on a loan to lower um, the risk the risk of of somebody not paying back their, their loan, right, or yeah, helping. Media companies like SiriusXM or Activision, for example, understand the behavior of their players or or listeners as it relates to how they interact with whatever you know, whether it's a, a the the dashboard on the radio for SiriusXM or how somebody's using a certain type of gun of Call of Duty, for example. That's the kind of thing that we do at Valkyrie. So, mm. so yes, at the end of the day, 
they're, you know, the human brain's really good at doing certain things. And by the way, AI is not. So don't, <laughs> yeah. from everything I've understood, <laughs> robots are not taking over anytime soon. But but it also but it, it's also but by but machine learning and you know advanced computing and AI, it it's also very good at taking a lot of data and finding patterns. And then as long as you give it the right direction and and the right um, features, like we call it, then yes, you can really start understanding or or predicting things that humans just would not be able to is, on the, their you, own. is there a good example of that that you guys have that you can share i'm sure you've got a plenty of in in uh, business but what about motorsports of, about some little nugget that you found that you would never have found with just humans uh well <laughs> like i said one of one of my um one of the things we're exploring right now specifically in sports cars is is there a relationship between the 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 type of drivers that are on track at a specific time, and when I say that is the the driver ranking. So like gentleman drivers like bronze, you know, in sports cars you have bronze, uh, silver, gold, and yeah. platinum, right? Is there a relation between that and then the type of pace that's going on on the track and then track conditions? And can we find patterns that we know like there's a higher possibility that there will be a full course yellow, for example? Everybody has a gut feeling about it, but, yeah. but as far as I know, nobody's quantified it. That, that's one of the projects we're working on right now. You know, like is is there is there a there there right? That, that um, is a great way to so, think about it. Gut feeling is you know we've we've all worked on that. That's how we've made in our our careers. We've been good at gut feelings, but you guys are taking that to the next level. So, Sorry, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, to, for me, it, it kind of sounds almost like a, a space thing where you you get to a situation where you have all of this information and you can run simulations. You can literally run like, a, like NASA do. It's like, well, what happens if we change the rocket fuel by this much? And, mm -hmm. da, da, da. and so you could do that. I'm just wondering, my crystal ball gets me all excited when you say that. Could you see the world, these are, obviously this is cutting edge technology, but the world of betting is just getting into motor racing. And uh -huh. I'm wondering whether this could be something that they would covet desperately to be able to say, okay, this this horse, <laughs> just like they do with horses. Yeah, you want to make real money, Tony? No. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I won't lie. It's, I'm not going to say that we haven't been looking into that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, of course, right? And um, not just in predictions, because, I, well, I guess we, we could get very nuanced in, in betting. Depends who you're working with, right? If yeah. you're working with the house, then you don't want people to understand. You know, you just right. want to be able to have more interesting um, bets, right? Or stuff like that, like... Although we have been approached as Valkyrie in the past with, by some people that want to help on like as on the betting side, see like uh, for horse racing. Yeah, you know, exactly. are are there? Can you help us be just more informed of what might yeah. happen yeah. here? You know, so absolutely, you know, people do that all the time, and I, I think makes sense. One of the things I was talking about before is like I think the, the the problem in racing is there there's so much data, so much more than any other sports, but also it is so there's so many variables, right? Um, there's weather, there's tires, there's mm. track conditions, there's traffic, there's the aero yeah, wash, exactly. there's upgrades in the car, there's fuel loads, there's pit stops, there's mistakes that, you know, the drivers make there. So the, it's, <sighs> it's, it's just so much to it's, it. So what, you know, what everybody else and what we're trying to do is one at a time, can you normalize the first one, you know, and then dismiss it. Then the second one, then the third one, you know, and then really start understanding what's happening. It's mind boggling yeah. what, what could affect if you just keep going back, it's like the, the butterfly effect, right? Exactly. You just keep going back going. So when that driver left the house this morning, he got in, you know, his, his neighbor backed into him and then put a little dent in his car. And you think, and that guy tweeted about it. 
and then maybe that affected his day later on. It's, of course, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I, I can't even. Yeah. yeah, it might take us a while to get to that yeah. level, but, yeah. but yes, exactly. Uh, well, fascinating. I know it's really. I, I'm going to follow. Hopefully, you will have a public version, or 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 somebody just said on YouTube, Jonathan. They said uh, for play by play, wouldn't it be nice to have oh, our own little? God, can you imagine secret sauce of? Of well, data that... and, and it could be, I mean, you know, I'm not being funny, but as a commentator, it's getting harder and harder to bring something to the table um, that, people that isn't don't, out yeah. there. You yeah. know, it's like, with Twitter, course, and... we know he's British. We know he's won the fourth time champion. We know this. We know that. So, you know, if you're if you're a keen fan, which many are, and obviously in motorsport, uh, you can get most of the stuff off the internet. Yeah. We, yeah. we had a great um, partnership with your colleagues at Radio Lamar this yeah. year uh, with John Hindoff. Yes. Uh, where we would send them, and this is still, you know, this is not necessarily very fancy machine learning stuff yet, but we would, you know, analyze every IMSA and WEC race and come up with all these really cool traffic analysis and pace analysis and all this stuff that was just just things that you haven't seen. So we would give them to John and uh, they would use them for like pre-race, during the race, and then after the race, they have a podcast like you guys every Wednesday, cool. I believe. Yeah, and then it, you know it, it's it's a cool storytelling technique, right? Because they would say yeah. like, "Oh, the the let's say the leading DPI car um, ended up passing less cars overall during the twelve hours of Sebring than the car that finished second, but that's because they had a better pit strategy, so they actually had to you know they they stayed away from traffic or something like that, you know. Yeah. But, which sometimes you can talk about a little in the broadcast, but it's very hard to actually quantify. It. And we could literally quantify it, you know, like they passed. 2.1 cars more per stint than the second car, you know, and that gave him a better pace, which here's mm. a pace average, right? You know, things like that. So, so that, that, that was a really cool kind of experiment to see how that very specifically in the sports car world, uh, how that related. And now we're looking at doing that in other worlds. We've actually been talking to some NASCAR teams about some very advanced stuff like we do with United about, you know, are there Monte Carlo simulations, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, can you – Say if if we did something now, what are the thousand different outcomes? And out of those, what are the two percent the, the most likely outcome? Kind of like predicting the weather, basically. It's a very similar yeah um, yeah um, modeling uh, modeling yeah. yeah yeah. And you can't yeah, like you say that there's going to be things that aren't foreseeable. But yeah, yeah. Mm. At the end of the day, look, there's no magic. It's like everything else. Data. Like we say, it's data, and we just have to give humans a narrow window of decisions. Right? It's still it's at the end of the day, it's still a human decision. But if you're if you're picking between three choices instead of 10 choices or 100 choices, yeah. you're, you're already at a better spot. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right, well, we're going to shift gears. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the docuseries, speaking of those, that IndyCar is coming out with to compete with Drive to Survive. You're listening to Sunday Night with Speed City. Back after this. Tony, your CEO, Charlie, how, how do you say his last name? Burgoyne? Burgoyne. Burgoyne. Uh, he, he was fascinating to listen to to talk about the what ai could do he had some oh yeah he's insane awesome. examples i mean that guy's obviously a on another level of yeah. intelligence than the rest of us uh he was fascinating to talk to that yeah he's awesome yeah yeah we have um it, it yeah we have so much fun it's uh mm-hmm. it's an adventure every day but yeah we're working on all kinds of cool stuff uh now we're getting to like the investment world as well like hedge funds and and understanding all that yeah um yeah it's pretty cool Wow, that's and, awesome. And the racing looks like we're just kind of scratching the surface, right? Mm. Things we don't have the resources that like an Oracle would have with Red Bull, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're small. Although we keep saying we would do it better <laughs> if we if we did. You probably would do yeah. a lot of it better. You never you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
small, nimble companies do that. So yeah. Mm. When did you move to Austin? I can't remember. You've told me. 95. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You were just a kid. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You still are just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as much, but. Cool. We got some stories here. We're going we're gonna to touch on the yep. uh, 100 Days to Indy. Yeah, that looks really cool. I saw an interview with Kevin Magnuson today at the 12 hour. I tweeted that. It was really good. He was just talking about how cool it was to be racing with his dad. Yeah. I, I mean,. How awesome is that? Yeah, we talked to him when he was here, right? That was fun. Hey, Jonathan, you put this story in. I didn't get a chance to look at the one about DRS to the next level or whatever. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah it's a conversation cool. that, that you know I've been calling all season for an end to DRS because the racing's got better. Yeah, And there are still some DRS zones, and it seems that a parting shot from Ross. talking about shortening it, right? Yeah, they're talking about shortening it because... Which I think is the right Yeah, balance. since they changed the rules yeah. and the cars are getting closer... Um, they're wondering now whether they want to stop the idea that it's inevitable that, you know, at certain places like Monza, you could overtake. Um, yeah. So if you shorten it, it's less inevitable. Yeah. We'll talk, I mean, if you want to talk about it. But it's yeah, just... we... Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the <clears throat> fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. And when we left, we're going to talk about the 100 Days to Indy new docuseries. That's the word of the day uh, coming up. And that's going to be on the CW network. Interesting. And a, yeah, a couple things came to mind that I want to get y'all's take on this is that, you know, they're saying it's it, – everybody knows it's their version of Drive to Survive, right? But um, Drive to Survive was, uh, is on, was and is on Netflix, which – for all intents and purposes, guys, is replaced cable, right? Everybody used to have cable. Well, now everybody's got Netflix, whether you've got your own login or were you using your parents or you've <sighs> stolen one. <laughs> or, or, uh, but the point is, is that, that that was such a huge platform, and you, could, and you knew that you could be exposed to every kind of audience, right? Young people, people that had no idea. You know, It's like my, I love to tell the story of my daughter who was walking by this, the television while I was watching it, and, you know, there's all these young, good-looking F1 drivers, and she kind of slowed down and then sat down on the sofa <laughs> and then is sucked into the show. And, you know, so – but I just worry about this series being on CW, and I think it's also going to be on Vice, I think is what I read. Yes. I think it's produced by Vice. Produ- the the pro- produced sorry, by Vice. The Vice but, yeah. is the media co- co- production with Penske, yeah. Yeah, and or I was Penske watching – yeah. I don't know if you all watched David Land on YouTube. He was talking about a couple of points that I thought were pretty good. One is that the average age on CW is 58, and, you know – Formula One is ki- with Drive to Survive is killing it in the lower, younger demographics, twenty-five year olds, and and um, but but to me, all this leads back to the also the the delay of the engine upgrade to hybrid with IndyCar too. You know, it, it's like, but but let's we'll we'll dovetail into that. But what do you think, Tony? First of all, about the whole idea of a series that IndyCar doing it. You think good idea? I mean, I, I know that they've been working. Uh, really hard on getting that off the ground for a while, and I yeah, I do think it's a good idea. I mean, look, you can't deny obviously yeah. the amazing success that uh, Drive to Survive has had for Formula One, and it's not just motorsports, right? Everybody wants to have their Drive to Survive or whatever, right? Of, NFL, uh, or, yeah, yeah. And other than NFL, I mean, you got Hard Knocks and stuff like yep. that, which which is fantastic. Um, yeah. So it is important. Um, I got the chance to have some conversations while working on my 
my sports car one with some of the IndyCar guys about it, uh, just kind of, you know, just behind the scenes, just talking about it. And in my opinion, IndyCar has a great opportunity, but also it's, they got an uphill climb here because nothing's going to be compared more closely to F1 than IndyCar, right? Um, yep. In the grand scheme of things, not for us, but, you know, for a, a mainstream audience, it's fairly similar type of racing. You know, the cars look similar-ish, right? Uh, it's a similar business concept. Um, just not as much of the glamour and not as much of the popularity, of course. You know, nothing's as big as F1. Um, so you you do have to be, and I, I don't know the details of it, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure they're very aware of this, and I'm sure they will find certain things and certain themes and hopefully the overall look and feel of it that so it's not just the IndyCar version of Judge Survive hopefully it is the IndyCar you know docu series that really showcase why IndyCar is so great in my opinion IndyCar is as far as racing comes is is much more exciting than F1 right um yeah you, you don't know who's going to win every, exactly. every week um, yeah. and it sounds like this is sort of the lead up to to the Indy 500 which obviously you know that should be really cool but what I can tell you is, from my own personal experience, it's really, really tough to get one of these shows off the ground, and mm. and a major and a major component is the distribution part of it and yep. the, and the networks. So, whatever the deal is with uh, the CW network, um, and Vi I'm a big fan of Vice, so that that was a really cool surprise. I mean, I'm, they, they, I love their style. So if they can go that kind of journalistic vice style, I think it would be super cool and very different than Drive to Survive. Um, so in my opinion, whether it's the right network or not, we will see, but it's better than not doing it, right? So just get it out there, yeah. promote it. Um, sure, are you going to get the ratings that you get on Netflix? Probably not. But I, I don't think, it, I mean, of course it matters, but at the end of the day, like you, you want to be able to tell those personal stories in, in a way and then just, you know, just build it. So I'm really happy they're doing it. it yeah. It's a great, it, it's good. It's a big step in my opinion. So. Yeah. And I think that um, there's two things that India found themselves in a strange position. They really do have a more exciting championship than ever uh, in yeah. terms of the drivers, in terms of the characters, in terms of the racing, as you mentioned. Um, and yet they sort of find themselves in a marketing hole with this, everybody talking about drives to survive and formula one growing and Vegas and all that sort of stuff. And yet they're, they're not doing anything wrong. So there's been this swell. I did it sort of, deep dive today and it's like there's been the swell from the drivers and quite a few out, outspoken people saying hey we need to up our marketing we you know we need to attract some new, new new audience so they kind of looked at the drive to survive model because what people forget about the secret is you can either feed the converted as it were <laughs> or you can look to a new audience to try to attract them and that's what indie needs to do just like formula one the people who are interested in indie love it love everything about it and consume it free practice, you name it, all the way through the weekend. But if you put it on a CW, if you put it somewhere different, then there's a chance that you can, like Drive to Survive did because it was on such a all-family platform, that you can perhaps, like your daughter or people, other people, get people as excited about indie. And it's, a, it's an easy, easy thing to do because it is. I mean, once they expose it, Everybody will go, well, this is Drive Survive and it's better because it's Americans and they're funny and fun. And, you know, it's not like you're yeah. dealing with languages a lot of the time. Uh, and they are, same sort of thing. Good looking young guys, you know, making it. And they've all got a backstory, whether it be, you know, a personal life story or a divorce or a whatever. Everybody's got a human story. And that's what people forget. Motor racing isn't about pistons, it's about people, as Mr. Hinchcliffe once said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not about <laughs> pistons, it's, it's about people.
Uh, well, yeah, it's. I, th- I think you summed it up easily, Tony. Is that they let's do it, let's get it out there, and it's like anything else. It's like software development is a great example. Get it, launch it, and fix it. You know, if you have to, but you obviously you want to make a good as good a product as you can to begin with, and that's the thing about a series versus a movie. <laughs> that one sometimes like you, a movie can take years to put together, or a series you can get it going and develop it a little bit as you go along. So maybe they can do that with with IndyCar. Yeah, and I, I, at the end of the day, uh, like you said, th- there is a very strong IndyCar following. If worst case scenario, all of those people, including us, go watch that, and then it just makes us love IndyCar even more, then it's already a win, right? Yeah. But most likely. What will happen is that plus more, right? You will get more audience, you know, and the, the, the IndyCar events are amazing. If you go to Nashville, you go to Long Beach, you go to St. Pete or yeah, yeah. the 500, Toronto, all these amazing places. Nice. Like, they're so cool, right? Um, honestly, in my opinion, overall, more fun as a weekend than the F1 weekends. You know, there's more of a festival atmosphere in general. It's not as expensive, you know, at least for Americans, you know, it's, it's much yeah. more accessible. And the paddocks is a thousand times more accessible, right? So if you can portray that in the show and then you get a new wave of fans, then it's great. Yeah. And I think that there's – there also they can count on the – you know, is it the uh, Rising Tide Lift All Boats that yeah. that, mm-hmm. that Drive to Survive has helped IndyCar as well too. I know the ratings have gone up again this year with IndyCar as well. So Andy P on YouTube has a good comment. He says, IndyCar needs to be careful – they do a lot that is great, but standing still while others are moving forward tech-wise is not a good look. Hope the racing overcomes all in the end, though. And and yeah, that's that's all. That's often put at Indy's foot is that you know the, the real sort of if you if you like if you get a purist F one fan who loves this technology, then they look at Indy as being a poor second cousin because it just isn't as sophisticated. But on yeah. the other hand, if you're a racer. And you don't care at all about that. And you just want to see man versus woman versus man yeah. versus boy versus experience versus youth. Then Indy has all of that. And, and it makes me think about, I saw, I was, I was on some social, I guess it was probably Twitter. And I saw somebody uh, tweet about Formula One. It was a big, it was a big star. And one of the comments was, why would you condone such a non-green thing, in, yeah. you know, today? And, and look, the, the, you know, they, that's fine, and that's noble. And but Formula One has put their money where their mouth is. They are moving forward for non, you know, yeah. for sustainability. They're saying by 2030 they're going to be completely mm-hmm. uh, carbon neutral, and you know, with with alternative fuels that are carbon neutral. With you know, they're already massively hybrid and getting more hybrid. Uh, and and now that leads into what Andy was saying about the Indy cars n- delaying hybrids again. I mean, weren't they supposed to do this all the way back? Well, they were supposed to go hybrid in 21, I believe, right? And then- Yeah, but actually, maybe I misunderstood. I'm pretty sure they're still going hybrid. They're just not upgrading the engine formula. So they're, they're sticking okay. to the engine, but, but adding right. like the, the hybrid right. um, yep. part of it, which is a, it's going to be a spec hybrid uh, system all team, yeah. for, for all the cars. Yeah. I tell so they're you- trying. I, I think at the end of the day, I think, it, honestly, I doubt it was IndyCar's decision. It was uh, Chevy and Honda yeah, that exactly, were like, yeah. Why don't we just not spend a bunch of money and stick to with what we have? And you put the hybrids in anyway, and and then we can still spend money on marketing. You know, so at the end of the yeah. day, sadly, it, it, that you know, in the not so flashy, glamorous side of it, which by the way, it's much harder for IndyCar because just the budgets are just not what they are in, in Formula One. They, 
maybe some of this money is going to fund this team. You know, who knows, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, what well, the, the 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 sort of if you, if you can if I can round up the whole conversation, what I'm really enjoying more than anything is that both Formula One and Indy are in the same headspace now. Mm-hmm. When you when you think about the stories, the big stories of, of 2022, um, you know, in Formula One, a lot of them were Colton Herter, were Haas, were, sorry, not Haas, but, um, but were Andretti, were stories that involved pr- uh, principally Indy drivers and Indy cars, but also going both ways, Formula One drivers getting involved in Indy or Marcus Ericsson winning the 500, you know, they're really for the first time in my history of some 30 years involved in motor racing have i ever seen indian formula one so aligned and you know and quite rightly which wasn't the case when bernie was around but quite rightly sort of complimenting each other um about super license points and what it means and helping Mm -hmm. the young guys get through um tony knows this you know the the road to indy has um some drivers that also do the FIA F4 and FR championships. So there's a lot of crossovers. Yeah. All right, let's get our last break in real quick. And when we come back, we'll have another 15 minutes to continue our discussion. Listen to Sunday Night with Speed City back after this. Jonathan Frank on YouTube says, right on, Jonathan, no more DRS. (laughs) Good. Well, yeah. Well, uh, how did you know about that? Uh, When you said a while ago, uh, and they're in discussion about DRS. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just says, he, he's agreeing with you. He's saying ban it. Good. Ban no, it I, I think it's time. I, I mean, you know, I don't... I, well, I, they spent all this money to make the cars... Well, here's the thing. You know, one idea, I, I mean, I, we can get into this if you like. One idea would be to uh, ban DRS in the sprint races, the six sprint races next year, because you can keep the flap on it and Try just it. close it and just not allowed to use it and then see if the racing's any less exciting in a sprint race. Because yeah. it doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean nobody stops developing or doesn't, you know, you still, you have the option. So you can't stop the production of your yeah. DRS system. But, um, yeah, I, I've always thought it's Mickey Mouse. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I like the, I, I want to see what it's like with just a little, you know, like, you know, a lot of data science could help with this. <laughs> like, what, like, yeah. what the, well, like, the balance is, right? Well, Which yeah. I'm sure they're working on, like, I'm sure they are. But it is, like, don't make it, like, we're, don't make it where it's, like, super easy. But probably, if, I, I bet you with the new cars, it's still going to be tough to follow. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. Um, that what, kid's got potential. <laughs> that Jeff Gordon, Gordon kid. Remember his yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what made me think of inviting you on the show, Tony, I... I uh, I had did that deal with James Hinchcliffe. That's what reminded me. I was like, I need to call Tony because we were talking about you before we went live on the radio. I said, yeah, we got a mutual friend. And he goes, oh, I love Tony. He's great. But uh, we have a clip from James Hinchcliffe because this was from our show, uh, Wheel to Wheel. And we were talking about Sebastian Vettel and we were talking about Daniel Ricciardo and how these drivers, when they move teams, something just something happens. And, you know, Vettel, when he went to Ferrari, he lost some of it. And then when he, you know, by the end of his career, it was like, it wasn't, it, it's not that he was that much older. It just wasn't working. And, and I asked James, I said, what, yeah, this was good. what, why, why does this happen? And he had the best answer that I'd heard. Let's hear James Hinchcliffe. I want to ask James this is that, you know, I know these guys are getting older, but is it just that? Or is it when you shift to a different car and a different team, just the magic, that mix that it takes, is that what you think may have happened? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think when when you really break down what motorsports is at its core, it's not cars, it's not engines, it's not tires, it's people. And, you know, I think in, if you look back at any sort of successful, like insanely successful run from any driver and team, there's a perfect cocktail of the right personalities around each other. It's not just the driver to be able to perform at their best. It's the team managers, the team principals, the strategists, the engineers, everybody. And we're talking about a game of, of hundreds and thousands of a second. You know, when you're trying to fight your teammate, you're trying to fight these 18, 19 other drivers. If one little piece of that recipe is off, it's amazing the difference that it can have in the performance of an athlete. And that's true of any sport. And uh, it's just so glaringly obvious in motorsports because you're directly compared to one other person the entire time. You know, if you're playing football or you're playing baseball or basketball, it's a little harder to make those direct comparisons and you can sort of work around maybe one person being outside of, of your comfort zone. But I just, I just think the, the the cocktail, the recipe at Ferrari just wasn't wasn't perfect for what Seb needed, and uh, and ultimately that led to them, you know, parting ways the way they did. I think that's the best explanation I've heard of that because <laughs> I, I really because that cocktail, like you said, and you know that that's easily what could have happened to Seb. So yeah, thank you, fascinating. Tony, I bet. You're, you were smiling when he was saying that. I bet you guys talk about that all the time. It's speed group, right? Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's funny. That l lesson, which I also like to call it different, where, like, there's no magic bullets. And, you know, like, everything, 1% at a time, you got to get better. It, from my life in motorsports is what has really helped me in my life in business. Uh, because, uh, you know, a, a team in business or a company or another sports team like it, it's all that and and yes you can just just because you move things around doesn't mean that, that they stay the same you got to <laughs> build it up right so yeah i love what hinch said i fully agree and that's what we always try to teach the young drivers that we uh that we manage that is like look there's no magic you just got to work hard at everybody like one little piece at a time you got to get your team together you got to get a flow you got to fix things properly you got to create relationships you got to be a quarterback as a driver right you got to mm -hmm. like get the team behind you and and then other things have to fall in place you got to have the engineers you got to have the budget you got to have all this stuff so yeah fully agree mm. it's amazing actually when you put it all together like that just how hard it is yeah and and you know you finish seventh in the championship and people go oh. and it's yeah. like yeah. no 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 no. let me explain what we did yeah <laughs> it was like <laughs> we did this we did that I, yeah, I, I just love that. And I wanted to, to bring that to tonight's show because I thought about you, Tony. Uh, speaking of docu-series, Williams F1 is doing their own little mini docu-series uh, on Logan Sargent's entry into Formula One. I just saw that on their website. It's pretty cool. They, they're doing it like little three to five minute segments. I don't know how many they're, how it's, what it's going to well, be. Well, that, that's something to get at. When, when will that, I mean, presumably that'll the start first next one's March. Out. The, oh, first the first one's, one's out, out right okay. now. Yeah, the first one's out right so now. So it'll lead up to his first run okay yep. great yeah what uh, do you think of logan yeah you know what i i don't know him that well mm -hmm. and um i'm i think it's great that he's there uh, i don't want to speak too much because I, I haven't followed him as much as i follow other drivers and uh um from what i hear but you know uh, first of all it's great to have an american driver right i think it's great yeah. for everything right for many many reasons <laughs> and um I mean, we will see. He's going to have a lot of pressure. But so far, I mean, you know, he has a pretty good background, right? And pretty good career. So let, let's push for it and see what happens. He's, he'll be racing three times in the U.S. next year. And, I know. And 
Still bad. Too bad that we can't have Herda in there. Then that's very annoying. That's, <laughs> that's a whole different discussion, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's annoying when when Helmut Marko says the deal has been done. <laughs> yeah, live on yeah. our show that we that we got quoted all <laughs> over the world. That was he he broke it right on our show. Yeah, and it was we really were pretty like, cool. He's, he announced it in the paddock like 15 minutes later, but he broke it live on our show. Medlin asked cool. him, stuck a mic in his hand, in his face, and he said it. And we were like, wait, what? Did what? he just say that? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. Very cool. That was one of our favorite moments of the entire year. But, Jonathan, you had a couple stories in here. Your buddy Marcus Armstrong. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I'm just about to go and do the Toyota Racing Series again. And as Tony knows, he's sent drivers down there in the past. Um, you know, uh, we've had COVID. It's, it, it's gone out of the limelight for the last couple of years, as, as have much of the Junior Series, because traveling international drivers is a tough thing to do. Macau has suffered from it. Um, Toyota have suffered from it, but this year we're back and running um, as normal uh, post-COVID. Uh, we've got four American drivers, um, uh, some of which I can talk about, some of which I can't. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, Tony, I remember you with Will uh, coming down, uh, or at least sending Will Owens down. Um, you know, it's it's been a happy hunting ground for, for young drivers, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, Will Owen was racing there against Lando Norris. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember him. Everybody saying like, "Oh yeah, this guy is pretty good." <laughs> yeah, so obviously. Oh so no, I mean, it, it's always been a fantastic championship, right down there. It, it's it's very condensed. It's uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck, and um, and I hope it keeps going. Yeah, and sorry to answer your question. Yeah, I think that that all comes round to the fact that Indy this year has three major, major uh, IndyCar drivers in Scott Dixon, obviously, the the GOAT, uh, Scott McLaughlin, a wannabe GOAT, uh, and Marcus Arm... <laughs> McLaughlin. <laughs> uh, yeah. You remember that? I know, yeah. And, uh, of course, Marcus Armstrong, who basically grew up idolizing Scott Dixon and was a, you know, a Ferrari junior, been in F2 for the last two years. Um, you know, and I think, just like Ericsson and just like Polo and a few others, he'll fit quite nicely uh, and we haven't seen the best of him i mean he's up there with sergeant if you if we're just on the same lines of sergeant then you know but i mean and and the ferrari academy has spat out schumacher and armstrong in the last couple of years really good talent and i i don't know i i'm i remain a cynical cynic about these junior programs because while it sounds great to be part of the red bull junior program or the ferrari academy you know how many can you get <laughs> yeah and ganassi has an amazing history of yep. You know, finding those talents in Europe. Yeah. Montoya, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, yep. and many I've others, heard of him. right? <laughs> um, so, no, that, that that's it, it's great to kind of keep it fresh um, and, and get more people here. And it's not just in Indy. Um, you know, the, the favorite for the Indy Lights or the next Indy, Indy Next Championship is Jamie Chadwick's teammate, uh, Hunter McElroy, um, who's another Kiwi. So there's a lot. I mean, in other words, that they're continuing to produce the young Scott Dixons of the world in single seaters, and a lot of them are coming over here to America. Um, Callum Hedge, Peter Vodanovic, all of these guys, uh, Ryan Yardley, have all been, you know, have kind of said if they wanted to keep their single seater careers going, they've come to the states rather than go to Europe, and that mm. it's it's just a good op, op uh, you know, uh, a chance to, to keep racing. Matt Clark, one of your guys from, that you're helping out, right? That's right. Yeah, Matt. well, he's a Canadian. Yeah, yeah, Matt. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying he's a young, uh, up and coming. Yeah, yeah, Max, uh, the um, young protege that we've taken over at Speed Group, uh, Hinchcliffe is his mentor, <laughs> and uh, he just dominated and won the USF Juniors uh, Championship, yep. which is um, the first uh, rung in the Road to Indy ladder. 
moving up to USF 2000. He'll announce here this week what team he's with and all that stuff. So maybe we can have him here for him. What, what I like about the, the show, road to, yeah. 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 What I like about the rotundity is <clears throat> if you win the championship, you genuinely get a ticket to ride. There's no if, buts, have you got enough super license yeah, points? Yeah, good point. It's basically here's your scholarship, here's your drive, you pick your team. Yeah. And exactly. I love that. Yeah, and it gives you a path, right? Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're working with Mag. You know, he's got amazing um, raw talent, and also he's, he's just a great young, young man, uh, great head on his shoulders. He's great with sponsors. He's great with the media. So we're slowly working with him, right, to, to hopefully do sort of like the Kyle Kirkwood, Kirkwood yeah. uh, path, right, where yep. we can just keep winning and get it there because he definitely doesn't come from money, and, and, it, and his family works super hard to, um, to make sure he stays there, but it's not easy, right? So, so we're working with him to really do that. But if, we, if, if the Road to Indy scholarship program wasn't there, that would be a quite a quite a feat to try to you know just yeah. to, even to plan is like well how do you get there you know and and this gives you at least a path like it's still you know you still gotta win everything but it's a <laughs> it's clear... not easy but it gives you at least a yeah. direction to go right? all right we, we're almost out of time there's a couple more stories i want uh, one i want to talk about andretti global f1 effort last week they had the groundbreaking of the new giant headquarters just outside indiana but a fantastic story by Nathan Brown at the Indy Star newspaper. He followed up with Andretti about their Formula One effort, and he started saying some things that had never been said before. He talked about that name dropped uh, Mark Walter, the CEO of Guggenheim Partners, who manage approximately $300 billion as a, um investment group, right? And they are involved in the Andretti Global F1 effort. So, you, you know, it's all about money in F1, right? And, and Christian Horner and Total Wolf, everybody's saying, oh, the slice of the pie, blah, 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 which we all thought was absurd. This is Andretti, right? Um, so they're, they're saying that they are involved. And also he asked him when, and they said, let me get this right because I'm going to quote it. He said, uh, he said, we're hoping in the next couple of weeks that sure would be a nice Christmas present when they could wow. hear back from F1. That flew completely under the radar. I didn't hear anybody talking about this. And by the way, Andy uh, Nathan Brown at, at the Indy Star is, if you want to keep up with Indy stuff, he's a fantastic journalist. He has, does a great job. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about is one of my favorite Christmas traditions happened. It just happened about <laughs> four hours ago. Mario Andretti tweeted, hey! his, <laughs> tweeted his Christmas tree and invites <laughs> everyone to tweet theirs. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, Tony. But he replies to every yeah. single one. I have no idea how he does it because it's Mario Andretti. Everybody replies with a picture of their Christmas tree. And he, he looks at and he doesn't say, thanks, thanks. He looks at them and comments about yeah. a present underneath it or something in the background. He looks at every single one. So if you want your moment with Mario Andretti, just tweet him a picture of your Christmas tree. It's one of my favorite traditions. He's been doing do, it. I'm going to do it when I get home. Yeah. By, the, by the way, you, <laughs> you, you've got the panel at South by Southwest, right? Yes. Yeah, we, we had Mario. We, yeah. Okay, yeah, we had Mario on our panel, and he was awesome. So thanks. the motor racing fans are ready for a yeah, South by. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Sunday night. Thanks Happy a lot, Tony. Trails. Thanks, Thank you, Tony. Guys.